0: <answering noise>
1: Welcome to the Good Energy Project with Lou Connor. A surprisingly
0: hopeful and upbeat show about economics, climate change... ...and our future on planet Earth. Welcome to my first ever interview for the Good Energy Project. Today I'm very pleased to be interviewing my brother Justin. He's a nice friendly person to help me get through the nerves of my first show. And he's also doing some super exciting work... ...helping to reimagine the economics of food... Justin's passionate about us all getting to eat more delicious, nutritious, local and affordable food while we restore our soil ecosystems and communities. But before I introduce him properly, I want to introduce myself and also set some context for this project. So I'm Lou and I've spent almost 20 years as a science communicator. That means I've spent a lot of time diving into really complicated topics like nanotechnology and quantum physics and helping scientists to communicate them in ways that everyone can understand. So I'm a bit like a translator from complex jargon to normal human language. And so since last October I've been working for a small trust in Auckland called Quattro, and my mission is to understand and communicate the links between our economic system and climate change. One of my major epiphanies has been realising how energy is the real basis for the economy, that everything we do from blinking an eye to starting a business requires energy And when you kind of look at the economy through a physics lens, it's like one big energy equation. You need energy to go in to do anything, and then you can create stuff or you can do stuff. And in the middle, it's super complicated, but the outside is really just energy in and then energy out. And so I've been thinking about my own life in terms of an energy equation, and it's been striking me how reliant we are on these massive systems, industrial systems, to make our life equations work. So I go to the supermarket to get my food, go to a bank to get money so that I can buy a house or something. It's sort of become clear to me that the economic system we have is not written into the fabric of the universe like the laws of gravity or like the speed of light. It's something that some guys came up with a few hundred years ago and so we're not stuck in the system that we have we have choice and I think the first thing you need to to make a choice is you need knowledge you need to understand how it works so this project for me is all about learning understanding how it works and then talking to people about how could we how can we shift things around so that we can actually put energy into what's important and in particular like the earth and each other, our social relationships and, and just to sort of grow that fabric of society again. Introducing my brother Justin, he's my older brother and we grew up in the hills of Pornicky, Wellington in a family obsessed with philosophy we've taken quite different career paths, but share a love of getting to the root of issues. One of the things that has inspired me to ask Justin to be my first guest is his journey with money. We used to actually call Justin the managing director in our family. <laughs> he was, um, I think he said that as a young boy he was quite attracted to money and, and we had an uncle who was rich and he had big houses and big cars and there was something about him that, that appealed to Justin. And so Justin was sort of attracted to developing a career where he could make lots of money and, and sort of living that life. And yet he's also been driven by something else, Um Maybe a curiosity and desire to be his best self. And so what sort of I admire about Justin is he's made these enormous leaps in his career and life from being in in the corporate world and to shifting his career quite majorly. He started studying product development at Massey University before going to the UK where he earned lots of money as a project manager for banks and other businesses And I was living with him in London when he had his first major career change and got into coaching and consulting. And that was kind of drawing on the superpower that he has for helping people get unstuck, mainly through asking really good questions. And so Justin then spent a number of years working for a consultancy called Second Road in Sydney and helping all kinds of businesses and not-for-profits to overcome their challenges and achieve their missions. About eight years ago or so, he had another, even more major career upheaval and gave up the corporate life altogether. He moved back home and started pursuing his passion for building regenerative local initiatives, especially involving food. And I know that now he's involved with two initiatives uh, around the Wellington region. Uh, one is called Seeds to Feeds, and that is encourages local communities to grow their own food, make their own food and um, and sort of host dinners and events where people come along and can celebrate that. And the other project that he's involved with quite a lot is called Vagabond Veg, and that is on a piece of land that Justin bought in um Tehupanui, is that Greytown? town? And And um, a bunch of friends have started a regenerative market garden there. And so I know that those are two things that are close to Justin's heart. So welcome, Justin. Thank you. And thanks for being my first guest. Um, My first question is kind of going back to childhood, where I often like to start, I'm interested in where did you put your energy when you were a young child? What immersed you and what absorbed your energy?
1: Hmm. Um, well, what comes to mind is exploring, um, exploring like physical terrain, um, especially sort of pretending to be a motorcycle and <laughs> zooming all over the backyard. Hmm. It was a very big backyard, um, and um, uh, sort of so so journeying,
0: um, mm. travelling
1: from you know, I'd spot a place on the other side of the the hill and and zoom there. It was, the, it was kind of <laughs> like the, the traverse of taking a journey. And then another thing that that was um, where I would get very absorbed was with the old Lego, and I'd um, all the things that I made with Lego. Uh, were transportation devices.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Uh, uh, like planes or boats or buses or whatever. But they were all passenger things. And even the forts that I'd build in the lounge, the blanket forts, they were all spaceships. So they were all about going somewhere. There was always mm, travel, mm. always a journey involved. And mm. it would be a journey to, and it would be taking a bunch of people on a journey. Oh, wow. Um, so that's, that's Yeah. That's where I, I sunk a lot of my. That's where I got immersed.
0: Mm, that's quite cool because, I mean, the the metaphor seems quite obvious with what you're keen on doing now.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, we'll go. We'll sort of touch on that later. But um, my next question is: Do you remember when you first became aware of money, and how did that affect you? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I do. I, um, I became aware of money very early on, and I think your summary of our Uncle Digby was very good. Um, that uh, uh, and my my response, I, I adored. I, I was um, bes- sort of besotted by this um, by his his wealth, um, and what was underneath that was power. Um, so I was obsessed with power as a, as a as a child growing up. I was just very interested in people who had it, and I kind of wanted it too um but i don't yes i've never never been particularly good at getting hold of it <laughs> not not actually um it's it's more more the facilitation of other people's powers mm-hmm. that seems to have been my um direction but um uh yeah I, I became aware of it very early on through material wealth like i don't know Four, five, six, that sort of age. Mm. Um, But I, I, and and then I started to earn it very early Mm. by doing, you know, jobs for money, Mm. Um, scouts, the idea of getting money. Going around bobber jobbing, mm. getting this money for doing work,
0: and did, it was like, that quite satisfying? Yeah,
1: so it was a t- tremendous trick. You got these tokens <laughs> that you could then go and spend on that you <laughs> yeah. wanted to you know, get, and get yeah. stuff. And, mm. but I, and and early incidents of actually stealing. Um, ah, I stole. My, I desperately wanted this this cap gun, and it was about eight dollars or something, which is a huge amount in nineteen seventy whatever it was.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And and I, and so I, I told Mum that I wanted this gun. She said, "Well, you can save up for it, but." Time in my head just just expanded enormously. So I thought that I thought that I was stealing money at a very slow rate. But there's <laughs> so much desire for this gun that I, I stole bits of money uh, over a period of about a day and a half and managed to accumulate eight dollars thirty or whatever it was over this one and a half days and then took it to mum on the way I was off to school and I just gave mum all this money and said there's the money I'd like can you go and get me the gun and she was like where did this come from (laughs) you've been
0: thieving (laughs) so you got in trouble so I got in trouble Mm, mm. so did you sort of learn at an early age that that wanting money was also bad in some ways
1: uh no 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 I was pretty keen on the accumulation of money uh, (laughs) and um yeah, I, I think uh, yes uh, for for a long time, and I think that's still that's still there in me. this sense of um, sense of uh, when money's flowing, there's something good going on, or there's some there's something there's some aspect of good
0: going mm, on.
1: It's mm. not um, uh, it's a it's an indicator of value mm. being valuable. It's, Things
0: moving and sort of mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's the movement. Mm. It's um, and it, it doesn't really matter so much the that it would be money in exchange it's more value being exchanged Mm. that moving
0: Mm. reminds me of the transport vehicles moving (laughs) with the people in them Mm. (laughs) um so my next question is do you remember becoming aware of the climate crisis or um, environmental problems and how has that sort of understanding affected you
1: hmm um yeah I, I must say I've I've um uh, I think I would have to be honest and say I've, I've been a real laggard uh, on the climate crisis front
0: um I do remember when we lived in London together in a flat <laughs> and I, I wanted to get some energy-saving light bulbs <laughs> and you were teasing me calling them tofu light bulbs. <laughs> so um, it's terrible. you weren't, weren't quite sort of...
1: I think the, the reason why I've not paid that much attention to that or, or felt sort of shy about that... Um, that area is maybe this word "crisis," and I, I, I feel like crisis, the whole rhetoric, the whole all of the language around that word, mm. um, uh, encourages a sort of pants on fire response, mm. and
0: mm.
1: and it and it gets people. I feel like it, it gets the energy in people right, right up, mm. um, and people get upset and angry, and it's all. and It feels like that's not going to solve the problem. Living well in concert with the planet is mm. going to solve the mm.
0: problem. I see, yeah. So I
1: don't. I, it's almost like a. It, it's like, yeah. It's almost like it's 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 a problem focus rather than it's looking at the at the the, the problematic outcome,
0: mm. uh,
1: and and feels like it's focusing very strongly on that. And so we should then do better. We mm. need. We mm. must live differently so that we can have a different outcome. Um, but it's so that we can not have the bad outcome.
0: And so it's the fear, about, sort of fear-based, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and you know, whereas what what what's happening with vagabond veg, for example, and the project around that that I'm that I'm um, exploring mm. is uh, is a system of food production which is um, effectively energy positive. So it's, yeah. like it's not, it's not, you know.
0: Could you tell us a little bit about Vagabond Vent? Yeah, sure. Like, um, who who does it involve and how did you get involved?
1: Oh, um, that's a long story that involves hmm. me not being able to come home um, uh, when lockdown happened and uh, being accepted into uh, into the house of these other people and, and told that I should lock down with them. And so I did and they, uh, we, we, um, got related over that uh, over that mm-hmm. eight weeks, which was superb. And they were, um, uh, a number of them were wanting to start a, um, a market garden. Mm-hmm. And because we became such fast friends, we, we um, uh, I, I, I had them in the back of my mind as, you know, to help them. And long story short, we, we ended up at my next door neighbour's place in Toopanui Greytown Um uh, talking about this because we were trying to meet somebody who who had some some land that they might be able to use. And anyway, uh, I, it was dusk, and I, I realized that I talked about my place which was right next door, and I'd never shown it to them. And so we mm. we went for a walk down the lane, and uh, and it, it only occurred to me then that maybe the maybe this property, maybe my property, would be okay for it. And uh, uh, and they said, "Well, yes." And I said, "Well, what about all the rocks? Because it's full of rocks. You know, fields are full of rocks." Um, and they said, well, we'll take the rocks out. <laughs> and that was that. Mm. And they moved in three months later and now nine, oh, we're about 23 months now after that point. And they're, they're feeding um, 50 households with mm. their vegetable needs every week. Amazing. The vegetable box. Um, and on track to feeding 100 households by um, summer next year. Mm. So that's what's going on there.
0: Yeah, I was interested in what you began to say about the energy equation of how um, vagabond veg works. Like, mm. how, what what do they? What goes in mm. in terms of energy, and what do they? What does that enable them to produce?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's really contrasting um, small-scale regenerative market gardening with large-scale industrial vegetable farming. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Which at, at a very high level, um, approximately thirty percent of the of the um, uh, carbon emissions of a, of your average industrial nation uh, comes from its food system. Okay, and that basically comes from three different places. About ten percent uh, of of that thirty percent, ten percent comes from the production of artificial fertilizers. Ten percent comes from uh, land use, uh, like tilling. Uh, and ten percent comes from the use of fossil fuels in the supply chains. Okay. The on the farm yeah. So if you if you have a local food producer, you know, a market garden that services a local area, mm-hmm. um, then your product isn't having to go very far to get to to the mouth. That it's mm. so, so that
0: sort of cuts ten percent, or that
1: cuts that a, cuts. Por-
0: por- a portion yeah. of that.
1: If you use compost as your input instead of artificial fertilisers, you mm. cut 10%. Mm. If you have basically no supply chains, you cut out the fossil fuels. That's another 10%. And they're doing no, what they call no-till um, gardening. So they're leaving the soil to to regenerate into mm. a living organism um, mm. instead of being ploughed up every uh, – mm. and that, that eliminates the other 10%. So, mm. Well, maybe not eliminates it completely, but you've got a, a vast – um, amount less carbon being um, being emitted, re- released. Yeah, released. yeah. Um,
0: and you're kind of absorbing some into the soil,
1: and you're exor- absorbing some into the soil, mm. and you're uh, producing vegetables which are much higher nutrient density,
0: mm-hmm. um, mm.
1: so they're healthier for people. And you're uh, regenerating local community as people kind of galvanize around this you know, this, this farm, and they come here and. Mm-hmm. They bring their children and etc. So there's there's just a whole lot of benefits, but the energy mm. one is is um, uh, yeah, energy is a core way of thinking about it. Yeah,
0: because mm. I'm thinking if there's some um, disaster and we can't get hold of supplies from overseas or um, fossil fuels, then would vagabond fed still be able to keep going? Kind of thing. Pretty much.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, there's no internal combustion engines that are used on the on the property. Part they've got a van. I mm. mean, you know, we're not we're not trying to be um, extreme about this. Mm. Um, of course, they've got a van. They need to take. They need to do a few deliveries, and people come and pick up their veg um, mm. sometimes in petrol powered cars. Um, we have a mower uh, that that eats petrol, um,
0: mm. so mm.
1: it's not it's not like it's completely extreme, but it's, it's uh, uh, on the whole, all their tools are, are, um, are clever mechanical devices, some mm-hmm. of them using uh, battery-powered, um, you know, using battery drills and things to power yeah, okay. harvesting devices. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's essentially...
0: Uh, Quite low energy.
1: It's essentially very low energy,
0: yeah. Mm. And what about the kind of money equation? I mean, I should probably talk to them about that, but <laughs> I just, because... Um, it seems to me that it's quite hard to start a small-scale farm and to survive. In terms of the money equation, what what needs to go in and what needs to go out?
1: Mm. Oh, I mean, I can give you a basic overview
0: without,
1: mm. get, without sort of um, talking out of school. Mm. Um, there's a uh, there's there's a phase when you start a farm from a um, like like the vagabonds have done. There's you, you start with blank fields mm-hmm. which have been had sheep on them Um, uh, you start with basically nothing and you have to build the farm up before you can be operating it Mm. but of course what happens in reality is you as you start by building a few beds and getting them planted and then you build as you're building more and more beds you're planting more and more and so you production increases on a on a sort of a curve yeah um so you go from zero production at the beginning to 100% production at the end of your build process. But that build process for them is probably going to be about two and a half years or three years. Okay. So they're up to 50 households now, they're, but, but that's only about half the production that they will be at in mm. a year's time.
0: So that first part of getting set up is quite – you need a lot of resources and energy to put in yeah. to sort of get going.
1: Yeah, you need you need start-up capital. You need some, mm. you need some money to, mm. to, to mm. be able to – Buy stuff like tunnel houses and irrigation,
0: Mm, all the the irrigation
1: mm. lines and pumps, and Mm.
0: um,
1: you know they've needed to kit out the barn with a as as their what they call their wash pack, which is where they wash and pack.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And uh, yeah, so there's there's a whole bunch of uh, infrastructure that that's just you know that's needed, and there was also also a bunch of work that was required to like take the rocks out and Mm. remove get them removed and. Yeah, so there's a lot of there's all these setup costs, and uh, you could say roughly, I reckon, for a similar farm, if I was doing it in a way that would enable the farmer to be paid a living wage throughout that first three years of the build process, I'd say the the capital that you'd want to 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 put in might be two to three hundred thousand mm, for a right. farm like that. Yeah, um, at the beginning, it just so happened they crowdfunded some of that themselves, and they. Um,
0: put in a huge they, amount of work.
1: They put in – well, they crowdfunded some of it. They put in uh, some of it themselves, and then that, that got roughly half of 300000 ish mm. and then uh, all the rest has been sweat equity. Mm. Um, so they've put in an enormous amount of work.
0: So, mm.
1: But, you know, whether that's a sustainable model for new entrants that don't have the um, sheer determinism determination <laughs> that, that these guys have had. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but – yeah, that's that's roughly the kind of. But once you're up and running, then the money equation, hopefully. I mean, we're still we're still we're still proving that it's possible. Mm. Um, but it looks like it's on track to being able to um, to pay them a, a you know a living wage mm. um, for farming, for mm. producing food for people so locally. The,
0: the CSA model, the community supported mm. agriculture. It's like when um, the the people buying the veggie boxes basically pay for them to do their farming and to grow the veggies, so it sort of reduces the risk.
1: Yeah, that's right. So that's an important um, that's an important part of the of the of the business model, mm, like mm. the way they the way they um, run their business. So. Uh, so yeah, so you, you it's it's completely different. If you haven't heard of CSAs, it's like prepare to get your mind blown open. <laughs> it's a weird thing when we've lived in a world where where food comes from. If you're if you're having food at home, it comes from the supermarket in New Zealand, basically, um, and and you go down there and you see all these prices on different vegetables and things, and you say, "Oh, broccoli, that's four dollars today. I'll, I'll buy one of those." Um, whereas the CSA model, the community supported agriculture works in an entirely different way it says hey Lou if you want me to feed you Mm. um, uh, you can have this this vegetable box every week you can have a big one or a small one depending on you know um, how
0: many people I have to feed but
1: but yeah essentially you can um, you can buy a percentage of the harvest
0: yeah okay yeah
1: over a period of time so Mm. six months or a year and so you sign up and you say you say to me well I'm going to trust you to feed me and feed me, ideally feed me stuff that I quite like, and enough. Mm. Um, and so, I am going to, I am going to commit to you, farmer. Mm. And um, farmer says, "Well, that's that's great. My pledge to you is, I am going to try and find out as, as much about you as I can and what you like, and I am going to try and grow it for you. But what I need from you is to recognise that farming isn't easy, and sometimes we have, you know, you have the good times and the bad times. Mm. In the good times, you'll get way more than." you'll get your box will be overflowing Mm, in the mm. bad times it might be a there might might be a little less variety um we'll do our best to make sure there's there's enough volume but um but you might you know in the middle of winter or whatever whenever the seasons are uh are challenging it might not be quite so good Mm. so you'll experience you won't experience a consistency. you're
0: kind of riding the wave of the of the seasons of the seasons yeah Yeah. um
1: and that's my, you know, that's the farmer's invitation to the CSA. Is come ride the seasons with me, yeah, and, and, I, and get behind me.
0: And it's it's, it's establishing a relationship.
1: Yeah, totally. So, mm. the, the, and it's a direct relationship between between the the farmer and the customer mm. and because mm. it's because you've got the, the why it financially works is because you you have a um, you're cutting out all the middle people. Mm. So there's no transport company to pay. There's no. There's no contractors to pay to come and harvest. There's no transport company to pay. There's no storage companies. There's no distribution companies. There's no aggregators or wholesalers or indeed retailers. That's, yeah, right. That you've just wiped all of that out and just said, hey, come come to the farm, pick up your veggies, and we're just down the road anyway, so that's okay. Oh, and by the way, when you come to the farm, there'll probably be some fun stuff going on or you'll meet other people and and it's a nice thing to do.
0: Mm, mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been to the Monty's monthly meals, hmm. which is a monthly um, dinner at, at Monty's farm, and there's so they're so many people gathering together and like from quite a diverse bunch of people, hmm. all kind of bringing their locally made food and celebrating together. It's really nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you could you could also see that as um, it is lovely, um, but it, it, you could also see that as a bit of a niche. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. like the the very early adopters of this mm-hmm. new way of thinking. Oh uh, yeah. You know like the the old Einstein quote about you can't solve a problem using thinking that that, that caused the problem in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's like a paradigm of, of thought, a way of thinking and and so what what these people that buy into the CSA, most of them um uh, and some of them don't quite know what they're doing to start with. You don't, you don't quite know the new way of thinking until you're actually inside it. And then you go, oh, oh okay, oh, okay. I see how this works. Um, and so because it's such a new way of thinking, that's really the, the – um, listening to your introduction when you were talking about the um, – um, no, i lost the plot. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think it's it's the it's the new way of thinking that looks at um, at at our planet as a closed system, not as a source of endless growth. Mm. It's it's actually feeling that and and but doing not coming from a fear based like oh we're mm. screwing it up mm. and we we need to fix it and wear hair shirts and. Stuff, but but more like, oh, what's the what's the really cool alternative? What's, mm-hmm. How is that? How is it really neat to be to be living in a kind of a way that's in harmony and in balance and and minimizing it, like mm. in fact regenerating? We, yeah, can we live in a way that makes it better? Yeah. Um, so can we produce food in a way that actually that 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 makes us and the land and and Uh, Our relationships, and particularly our relationship between, um, in this country, the the colonized and the colonizer, Mm -hmm. those those cultures. How can that that relationship be healed? in the way that we grow food
0: and that. So that word regeneration is quite a it's quite a jargon term, Mm. and it's quite a big word. But I, I think what you're describing is that. That is regeneration.
1: Well, that's how I see it. Um, mm. I, I note that there is no agreed definition of it. Mm. Um, but I like to think of it as being, yeah, that, that's the simplest way that I think of it, is is how can we do whatever it is, like in this case, produce food? How can we eat in a way that the whole system's better off?
0: Mm. And I like what you're saying, that that it's like you feel that different equation. It's not just a... Mental or an economic thing. It's like it's a feeling thing. You can you can feel when you're um, relate when you when you're in a closed loop and relating to the people that you're getting something off, like mm. buying food off, feels different and better.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think really food. Is <laughs> you know, I'm, I think I'm known as a bit of a food person. Um, mm-hmm. But I think food is really just um, a vehicle for something deeper, um, for me. And the What's deep, that? Well, the deeper thing is is these kind of these relationships of goodwill. Mm. This sort of these these circles of goodwill, where where they they they're like um. Um. Oh, I've lost them. Lost the metaphor. It's when. Down, you get a downward spiral, and you get an upward spiral. Oh, uh, yeah. Like yeah. There's these these relationships that are like
0: uh, like a reinforcing, yes, uh, kind of positive, re- positively reinforcing. Mm.
1: Um, and and that's, I mean, I th- I think that's underneath it for me. Is mm. is like, can we just have more of that?
0: Mm. More mm. of
1: people moving away from this competitive sort of way of thinking, where where somebody else might get one over me so I'm mm. going to be protective but, but that, that runs on this on, on this basic belief about what, what human beings are and it's like do I believe my, my general kind of disposition toward people in society is one of a slight suspicion my belief that's underlying that is that, that they are competitors
0: Mm. Um, and and, and they're
1: competitors because they are, like, self-centred animals.
0: Yeah, and one of the realisations I've had starting to learn about economics is that's actually set into our economic system, mm. that that it's based on the idea that humans are these competitive um, individuals with endless appetites, mm. that we just want to hoard stuff and eat more.
1: Yeah, yeah, endless. yes, exactly, Um and um, who was it? Eleanor Ostrom. Ostrom. Mm. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day and this guy this guy was just saying, you know, well, tragedy of the commons. This this concept came up and, and I was like, oh, yes, I've heard of this before. And then I realised I have no idea what it actually means. And he explained it really nicely. It's mm. just like if we try and own something together, mm. um, ultimately it's going to degrade because, you know, um, We won't look after it. We won't manage to look after it together because somebody's going to be more selfish than others than the rest and take take too much of it for themselves. Mm. And that's that's this idea of the tragedy of the commons. If you have something in common, you'll screw it up because you're actually a a tragedy.
0: It's a tragedy of a mindset.
1: It's a tragedy of a mindset, but it's based on this idea that we are tragic. Mm. That we are Mm. that 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 we humans at, at our base are selfish, and and uh, and that's you know, but this so this guy was saying that the work of Eleanor Ostrom debunked that idea and showed that it wasn't that we don't have a selfish dimension or a, you know, that but that alongside that, we've got this, this there's lots more to human beings than that, mm. um, and um, yeah.
0: Um, well, I'm interested in your vision, and uh, if so, you've got these projects you're involved with at the moment. What would you like to see if that if they could expand or like yeah, what's your big vision if you have one?
1: <laughs> I just um, I'm not wearing the t shirt today, but um, the Vagabond Veg T shirt on the back of it it has this little slogan that somebody came up with and and it's small farms feed the world. Nice. And I really like that. Um, <laughs> I think that that would be yeah, like Somebody said to one of the vagabonds, Somebody was sort of complaining at them and saying, "Oh well, you know, you're only feed, you're only going to feed a hundred people. How's that going to solve world hunger?" And they said, "Well, we didn't set out to solve world hunger. We set out to to, to feed a hundred people really well. Um, and and the answer to to feeding the rest of the of, of the country like this is just a whole lot more of these. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm setting myself. That's that's the sort of." Task that I'm yeah. exploring at the moment is is how do we uh, and I got to ask a wonderful question by um, by an amazing chap called Jan Harnier he uh, he asked me to to write back to him but on this on this question of what's the mycelial network that's required to enable more of these kind of food
0: producers yeah. to
1: um, to like pop up like
0: mm, the the mycelial mushroom because can you just say about what mushrooms do underground. I don't really know
1: what mushrooms do. <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> I mean, all, what I understand is that... Is that uh, all I
0: know is they go everywhere, these tiny little networks, and they and they connect with all the trees and all the plants, and they're kind of like communicating and passing nutrients and hmm. amazing kind of enabler of life.
1: Yes, that's my understanding too. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> add anything to that. <laughs> but, you know, like the... so So what's the... Yeah, it's like what's 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 the environment mm, that's mm. got to be um, created um, uh, in order that um,
0: in order more that the, of the, these the
1: conditions are um, propitious for these for more of these little mushrooms to pop up. Yeah, um,
0: and what did you say <laughs> <laughs> in answer?
1: Oh well, the, the, there's there's four pieces to that. Um, there's uh, I don't know what, how, to what level you want me to go into it. Probably well, quite 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 <laughs> surface level. Well,
0: yeah. Give us a summary of those four things. Mm,
1: okay, so um, if you if you place a new farmer, a new potential farmer, uh, like the vagabonds were two years ago, if you place them, uh, you just picture them in your mind, and then you say, well, what do you need? Um, what do you need to, to to get up to the end of that build?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: to, so you're you're independently running and operating. Um, first thing is you need uh, you need some land.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You need land and, and you, you're going to pour a lot of love into that land and you're going to regenerate the soil so it's got one of those, you know, it's got this mycelium going on and it's, yeah. you know, so that takes a lot of work and love and e- energy and effort. You don't want that torn away from you.
0: You need security you need of land. You need security, mm.
1: long-term security of land. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, basically lands in private ownership.
0: And, mm. uh,
1: and, um, and so... So you want a benevolent, a benevolent landlord,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that, whose purpose is to support this kind of thing. So that equals some some form of non profit land trust. Mm. So that's the first um, element yep. in the mycelial network. Um, uh, is, is some kind of land trust. The second one is um, uh, we talked before about infrastructure and the need for need for startup capital. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The current financial institutions will potentially lend you money, but it'll cost you a lot. It'll cost you a lot, and they won't really help you grow the thing. Um, Or investors will put in money, but they want a share of what you've got at the end of
0: it. Mm, mm.
1: So what we really want is a development partner Mm -hmm. um, who's like a coach and a mentor and a connector and somebody who's going to be with you the whole journey Mm -hmm. um, along this build process, um, uh, who's also... Got up their sleeve, two hundred thousand dollars or 300000 dollars.
0: <laughs> a that, benevolent a, investor. A
1: benevolent investor who's bas- yep. who's going to who's going to work with you to figure out what the what the minimum amount of investment is that you need to do the thing that you've got to do. Mm. Um, but that that money would be maybe low or no interest, and then it's a low interest rate, and work on a payment plan to just get it paid back. So there's no equity involved. Nobody owns. Nobody else owns the farm, and so you get to. You, you come out the end having your own farm and having paid back the loan. Yeah, um, right. So that's 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 the development partner with 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 finance. I call, call it mentoring with money. Okay. Um, and then the third bit is that um, whilst Vagabond Veg are doing really well on their own and they've they've got their own CSA mm-hmm. system, they're feeding fifty households and da da da. And we reckon they're around about on average ten to twenty percent cheaper than the supermarkets. Wow! Um, which and that's for
0: kind of organic.
1: That's for like
0: spray-free, kind of... super
1: organic, regenerative, mm. best produce ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that so that's that's good. Um, but when you actually really look at the situation, that's that will still they'll still only really be able to get pay, pay themselves a, li- a living wage or a little bit above or whatever it is. Mm. It's not really enough to start sort of saving for retirement or or like
0: take holidays take holidays mm. and
1: this sort of thing so so really it needs you know you, you'd want them to be earning a bit more mm. um, and so i asked them what's the, what's the biggest what's the what's the best the biggest goodest next efficiency step yep. so that you can make more money and spend less time uh-huh. and the, the, they just said well cooperative we need to be part of a cooperative,
0: right?
1: What's that? And so I start <laughs> to learn about, a bit more yeah. about cooperatives. So, essentially, cooperating mm. with, with instead of competing with with other local food producers, mm-hmm. um, developing a, a cooperative organisation where you all, um, based on on what's going to be the most useful things to do together to save each other time, and there's a whole stack of. Things from equipment, buying equipment together. Okay, yeah. You, you don't need it all the time, so you just mm. like like a lawnmower. mower, yeah, okay. Them. You know, like just just get one, <laughs> <laughs> go around and mow everybody's lawns. Mm. Just get one. Um, so that that sort of thing. So you, enormous savings by.
0: So it's the efficiency store. of scale, but it's done across different farms.
1: Yeah, and mm. then you also could can aggregate produce. So there's a, mm. there's a crowd mm. in the states that are that are doing what they call a full diet.
0: Oh CSA. wow! So okay, that,
1: that's that includes, uh, in this case, meat and and dairy and yeah. eggs and.
0: You know, so you get your whole vegetables. diet, you diet your delivered to your house.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's and different. It's, it's different. amazing. It's yeah. very different. Mm. Um,
1: so yeah, so that that's um, that's it's this cooperative mm. that um, uh, that would be another the third mm. aspect. Mm-hmm. the fourth one, but the third one is cooperative, and that's and that would be. It's not only in terms of, so you, you get things like cooperative buying power, so you mm-hmm. buy, all of you together, you become a bigger buyer of mm. things like seeds and compost, so you uh-huh. get cheaper rates. Mm. Mm. Um, and you can also, uh, that's on the supply side, and then on the customer side, you can, um, you can coordinate to, uh, to do a single CSA across a whole, a multiple farms. And that means that you, as a farmer, you get to specialise and do the things that you're really ah, passionate okay. about, yeah. mm. um, whilst retaining or even growing the amount of variety that customers can get.
0: Mm. So mm. that's
1: neat as well. Like, so
0: you start uh, to get more choice as a customer yeah. as well? Mm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so So yeah, there's a stack of reasons why mm. a cooperative is the, the third. And third, what is third number third four? Form. Number four is gets a bit spooky. It, it's... Um, spooky yeah yeah the first three are kind of like really practical sort of practical obvious things um, the the fourth thing I haven't really worked it out yet it's something to do with um, uh, it, it's something to do with um, this different way of thinking and it's actually a, a cultural change that you, you you shift from this 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 competitive paradigm into this Sort of cooperative one. Mm. Um,
0: it's a bit sort of like a different whole philosophy or mindset. That's right. Yeah, spirituality almost.
1: Mm. Yeah, and and it's quite a practical spirituality, but it mm. is. But it's it's sort of like where you're coming from or where you're mm. seeing from. Mm. And in the so the way I've just the way I was thinking about it the other day, and I don't know if this is right or not, but. So I was thinking about it was was within the capitalist paradigm where things are only recognised as valuable if you can trade them, if they can be given a monetary value. Mm. What I'm noticing, what I've noticed over the last twenty years or so, is problems like climate change and water quality have become so in our faces yeah. that we've we've been forced, the system's been forced to to actually try and value them mm. and therefore mm. put a monetary value on these things. Mm. And so you get carbon trading scheme, emission trading schemes and... Mm. and, and to
0: kind of like tack-ons yeah, to, the, trying, to the capitalist system that yeah, we have. Yeah, It's trying to sort
1: of um, force the capitalist system to value things in, mm. in, in mm. the way that it understands how to value things, mm. which is a monetary value. Yeah. Um, but the problem, uh, which is um, um, honourable mm-hmm. kind of intent to, mm. to do that, but again with the Einstein thing, I think... My sense is that that if you if you try and do that, what you risk is that is that people will try and achieve the, the monetary
0: outcome. Of, like,
1: try to achieve the outcome by doing the very least.
0: So because the because the aim is money, the aim is not um to heal the earth or to right. solve yeah. the actual problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so so it becomes, you hear of tick box exercises mm, and it mm. all becomes, it, it all just feels clunky because it's, because you've got the spirit of the system is moving in one direction and all of this is kind of moving perpendicular to it and mm, it doesn't, mm. it sort of feels, yeah. Um, and so, whereas, you know, vagabond veg, they, they just never even dream of putting like artificial fertilizers on mm. the farm. They just wouldn't even if it came, you know, really hard times, they'd, they'd prefer to basically chuck it in mm. than, than do that to the soil. Mm. Um, they just won't, you know, it's, it's like because they're invested in the spirit of this, of this sort of regenerative paradigm, mm. that's where they come from when, when problems come up. Mm. They don't come from this maximising private wealth um, kind of place. They come from how can we look after the whole, and yeah. that's and that's that's the the shift, um, which is not necessarily very uh, easy to notice where you're subject to the old, uh, well, that's, and what the new looks like in that's, terms of,
0: yeah. That's something I've been exploring is just how I haven't even noticed how our system works mm. because it's so it's been everywhere my whole life that it's just like the wallpaper or like. Mm. Like we're fish swimming in the water, and we have no idea what the water is. Mm. So, um.
1: so yeah, we're changing out the water here, and it's, <laughs> and it's quite. Um, uh, it, it, it's like, um, I mean, another aspect to this, and another way, another way you could look at it is is through the um, how, how does a how does a customer know that you are. Being regenerated, like doing, mm. what's, what is, there, is there some kind of um, certification or verification process, some standard that you can reach? Organics is an example of that, mm. but organics, as far as I understand, is has, is is a bit plagued with that phenomena that we talked about before. That it's kind of like you do the minimum, you do
0: you, to tick the box, to tick kind the of the and then mm. you get
1: your cert certificate, which means you can trade under this brand and you know of organics and mm. sort of thing, but. Um, so it's, it's kind of letter of the law, not spirit of the law. This goes back to this idea of standards and that there is no standard definition for regenerative. I think it's an intentionality which is being explored as to what it means, and it feels like it, it could mean an awful lot of different things depending on where you are and and what, you, what situation you're in. So um, so it's difficult to, to create a standard. Um, and, uh, and so you, what I find... I mean, the, the vagabonds will talk about things. They'll use terms like biological farming, mm. um, which, uh, are, you know, there's these terms that that have this sort of currency in certain circles and what have you. But um, where's the place where you go to commune around and learn from each other and talk about not just the practices, but the principles underneath those mm. and, and, and the relationship between principle and practice? Mm. Um so what's what's the context for that? Mm. Um, you know, I think for a long time, like church was the context for a similar it was a similar context. Like, so what's the what's the equivalent um, uh, where we go and hear about some principles and maybe talk about how we practice them and and uh, and probably have some some good solid kind of debates about things. Mm. Where you know where do we go to evolve? and practice and learn about this new culture. And I don't know what the answer is to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, quite, yeah. quite curious Maybe mm. create a uh, turn the wool shed into some kind of regeneration church, um, <laughs> but yeah. it, it, not so much that. I mean, what, where we've, where, where we've actually gone is, uh, well, we would just um, feel enormously privileged to have been invited into the Huapara uh, Kōre, um, Verification process.
0: Can you say a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so
1: this is um, the Māori Organics movement, mm. um, and they have a they've devised a three year what they call verification process. Mm. So. In, as opposed to a standard or a, a certification process. Mm. So with, with certification, somebody will come, up, a, an expert will come to your farm and check that you've done a whole bunch of things correctly. Mm. And then if you have, you get your certificate and they go away again. Um, whereas the, the verification process um, is one where your peers come to your farm uh, okay. on, a, on a semi-regular basis and you go for a you go for a walk and you have a and you you talk you show them what's going on and you talk about it and then they ask questions and they say well, what's happening over there and you say, well, and all of that is based on a set of principles which relate to artura mm. so it's it's um, founded in Maori spirituality mm. those principles then Come through, come into, through the into practical application, but not in a way that is um, rigid. Mm. In a way that is that where the where there's a a, a huge amount of freedom to think about what they mean mm. in, the, in your place, mm. and then to be able to talk to your peers about that, and then and you know get challenged by all I, means.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I imagine it develops relationships again between the farmers.
1: Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the community dip, of.
0: I'm um, growing that. I'm thinking of the mycelial network again, mm. sort of strengthening that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a dimension that we're. That's a, that's a mechanism that we are a community and a mechanism that we have. Um, that we're sort just. taking part in. To be part oh, taking yeah. Part in. Mm. And personally, I find it. I find every time I'm in the company of those people these peers and hearing and in in the conversation in the wanang i'm I, I i just i feel deepened and uplifted i feel mm. inspired and also grounded mm. and encouraged but in a very mm. deep way and, and so so yes that's that's the form that, that we're choosing to um to to as, as a vehicle to carry us in in this kind of the learning of the of of this new
0: mindset mindset way, yeah mm. yeah so my last question or set of questions is about what do you need what are you up against and what do you need Mm.
1: great question (laughs) Mm -hmm. thank you for asking it i I, um one thing to note about farmers who are building a farm is they're quite busy Mm. building and operating ones keeps you busy enough Mm. uh, and building it at the same time as operating it means you're extremely busy So time and energy is one thing. Then there is the skills and the inclination, as well as the time and energy, to actually get involved with designing and prototyping all those mycelial elements. Mm. So land trusts and, I mean, the fact haven't got time to think about land or I can think about them. While they're planting, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But to actually to actually get into the thick of, of mm. creating a land trust mm. and raising funds to buy land and get you know find ways to get land into it, designing a cooperative and prototyping the processes and you know like getting that to work. Um, uh, and the other one, <laughs> um, um, oh, the the development partner.
0: Yeah,
1: sort of, yeah, the mentor none, none
0: with money, but...
1: Yeah, none yeah. of that mycelial network is the job of the farmers to, to produce. Mm. And indeed it's the thing that is going to enable the, the, the birth of a whole bunch more of them. Mm. So that needs, to, all those all that work needs to be done. That's a
0: huge chunk of work. Mm, it's but, a big
1: chunk of work, but it's a very exciting chunk yeah, of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, so that's what I'm looking at is like... Um, I'm sort of listening to these guys and, and hearing this is what we need. And then I'm looking around going, I wonder, who, wonder who's interested in this happening. Mm-hmm. I wonder who's interested in this new paradigm of food, um, this new food paradigm coming about. It's not just going to magically come about. We need to really design it. And mm. by design, I mean... start coming up with ideas and pilot them, try them, prototype them, build Mm. on them, Mm. throw stuff away, start again. Like Mm. it's a whole process and it involves multiple stakeholders, the farmers themselves, the suppliers, all these people who are going to buy into CSA boxes instead of going to the supermarket. Yeah. There's a lot of people involved. And so it's really quite a big design project Mm. to take on. Mm. Um, But, yeah, so what I'm up against, I guess, is just – is just really how to uh, how to find people or funding bodies, I guess. And I don't know whether they're government or private sector or philanthropic sector in some way, shape or form. I'm just really interested in who wants to see this yeah, come about. Yeah, who wants doing. to
0: get behind the vision. and
1: Yeah, totally. And Because yeah. what we're doing is we're looking, you know, we prove one case with Vagabond Veg and then, okay, well, that, what's the next level up is we prove if cooperative works. Of maybe ten of these of you know little operations in mm. in Toowoomba Greytown, and maybe that'll take five years. But once we've done that, we've got a we've got a working model where a whole town has a a working model, so that can then potentially seed other. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're creating a model to not replicate cut and paste so much as to to inspire, to show that it's possible, yeah, and to share so that more of similar things can. Pop
0: can up and pop other up. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting.
1: So, but yeah, so it's, but but it, it is a big chunk of work. And, uh, but I'm, I'm, i imagine that somebody out there is, is that, that there are bits of, of, there are people out there who, mm. who would go, mm. yeah, that's definitely what, in fact, I've been looking for that. I wonder mm. know who's, who's wanting to actually put their shoulder to that wheel. Mm. Well, that's mm. me.
0: Um. <laughs> you want you want to get stuck into that work. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, And I imagine, even though it's a huge chunk of work, it's that kind of the it's the setting up work that's needed to get the thing moving on its own, sort of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll be redundant, which is great because there'll be some other ridiculous <laughs> challenge to take on. But yes, and it's it's not uh, particularly large quantities of money we're talking about, but it is investing in something. Something which I, I believe is actually culturally, socially and, and financially self-sustainable um, and resilient to to climactic effects, to economic shocks. Like you talked about before, if, mm, you know, mm. like if fossil fuels go up and, mm, or mm. You know, COVID, we had a huge, suddenly trade becomes very difficult. When those kind of impacts happen, you know, vagabond veg, doesn't they're not really affected that much.
0: Mm, mm, yeah.
1: So... So yeah. Anyway, I'm, bang, I'm banging on about the vision, vision again, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, it's it's this. Um, I'm looking for who wants to support this. Yeah. Who wants to get in behind the vision and, and yeah. support. Not support the whole thing, but to to say, okay, well, let's 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 do this. Let's let's take a year it's... a year or eighteen months and run at it with a research program. We mm. go and uh, go and start talking to everybody and figure out what's uh, what might the next step look like. Mm. Mm. And that's the uh, that's the beginning. Mm.
0: Okay, my final question, um, imagine that you're 80 years old and you're sitting in an armchair <laughs> and what is one of your proudest and um, what are you most proud of from your life? Mm. <laughs> mm.
1: Um, uh, that I just see around me the goodwill flowing mm.
0: um,
1: that I just, that I, and it, and, and it can flow in. It doesn't have to, it's not some sort of utopic vision. It's normal life, but it's approached knowing that other, that where people are knowing that the people around them are for them. And um, yeah, it's not an overly friendly like kind of,
0: uh, Lions sure. um, sitting purring in your lap, kind of. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah,
1: I, I just it, it's um, it, it's where people in, uh, are needing less and getting more from each other, um, and I see that goodwill flowing. And I, and I, and and myself, I'm looked after, and people, mm. and the, the, the signs of it are subtle but really, really clear.
0: So. Mm, I love it. Mm. Mm. Okay, that's <laughs> the end.
1: The show is also available as a podcast at thegoodenergyproject.substack.com.